What is up? This is Perry Noble, and you're about to listen to a message from this year's NLC conference at New Spring Church. Before, but before you do, don't forget, next year, go ahead and save the date. Registration has not began, but September 6th of next year, that would be 2012, we're going to have NLC here at New Spring Church again with Stephen Furtick, Judd Wilhite, Andy Stanley, James McDonald, Matt Chandler, Judah Smith, and myself. It's going to be an amazing day. I hope you can join us. But for now, I hope you really enjoy this talk from NLC this past year. Well, thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's, um, I'll tell you, it, it, is, it is humbling to, uh, to be with you all and to uh, follow Perry's uh, leadership talk I don't know how a guy can pack so much content, motivation, kick it where it counts while you're laughing, all in one, I mean, it's, it's amazing. And then uh, Pastor Stephen, um, I got to follow that. I mean, I'm grateful and everything. <laughs> Like, wow, I mean, that's like, that's like T.D. Jakes from the South or something. It's, uh, uh, I, I am, I, I do, I do want to say I'm extraordinarily grateful um, on so many levels. I'm, I'm grateful for Perry and Lucretia, just um, your faith to do what you're doing in the middle of nowhere. I mean, to build this by a cow pasture is just, it's, it really does. It, it moves me and, and your friendship um, moves me. I mean, just you want a, you want a loyal friend. Um, there's no more guy anywhere more loyal than uh, uh, the Perry. And I'm grateful for uh, Pastor Stephen to have a young guy. He's barely hit puberty, and <laughs> but to have that kind of wisdom and, and inspiration. And then, of course, uh, Andy will speak next, and he's a um, just a hero to me. Um, along with Judah and Judd and, and Mark and such, but the friendship is so meaningful to me. I mean, I can't tell you. And then for you all to be here, it's, um, I'm just grateful you would give your time and, um, and open up your heart. I agonized over, uh, over what to talk about. I mean, it's, I mean, agony. We were having dinner last night, and I was like, um, Perry, what do you think God wants to say? You know, uh, I asked Lucretia, here's the different talks. And, and I really had a hard time in, in uh, what I, after really praying and, and talking through it, what I want to do is share something that is um, from my heart, and it's also a little bit embarrassing uh, at the impurity of my motives at times, but chances are because you're a fallen, sinful human being like me, you might have some of these struggles as well. And I pray that through it, God might light something in you that would be uh, kingdom purity. And God could use you to do something that you maybe didn't expect. So uh, if you have your Bibles, Acts chapter 20, I'm going to read you a few verses that uh, they are my favorite verses. If you ask me, um, what are my favorite verses? The final one that I'll read is my favorite verse, the most meaningful one to me uh, in all of Scripture. And as you're turning to Acts 20, uh, I want to ask you a question that is offensively simple, but I want to ask it anyway. And I'll ask it, you'll humor me with this offensively simple 
question um, because I know the answer, but I want you to acknowledge it for a moment anyway. How many of you really feel called and believe that God wants to use you um, to make a difference for his glory in people's lives? Let me just ask you that question. I see about 80% of you would say, yes, praise God. We'll pray for the other 20%. Okay, uh, I know that's, that's a given, But what I want to do today is I want to submit to you that that is the number one goal of most of us in ministry. In some form or the other, God would use us to make a difference and such. But I want to say that I believe in many of your lives, God wants to do more than make a difference. That he wants to do more than make a difference. Uh, Stephen does this well, I'm gonna try it. Touch your neighbor and say, more than a difference. <laughs> never works for me, I, I've tried it for years, it never works for me, I don't know if I'm just the delivery or what, but uh, <laughs> I'll keep trying it. So, uh, Acts chapter 20, uh, let me give you the context of, uh, of this verse. Paul uh, was ministering in Ephesus, and he was very happy there, very comfortable there, making a difference there. God was using him there, but God stirred in his spirit much the way God will stir in some of you, and he called in the elders, and chances are the, these, uh, they were his inner circle, his, uh, the people that God had used him to raise up, and he's handing off the ministry, and he calls in his inner circle of ministry partners, and he has this very emotional farewell. And you can imagine, if you've given birth to a ministry, you've given your life to something, and God calls you to leave there and go somewhere else, it is tremendously emotional and very, very difficult because he was at a place where things were going well. And in a similar fashion, many of you may be at a place where things are going fine, and God's going to stir something in you to do something more, something different, something more significant. And in order to get to where God wants you to be, you may have to let go of something that you love, someplace you're comfortable, someplace where there is security, and things are going rather well. But to go where God is leading you to go, you may have to let go. And we're going to watch as Paul unpacks this calling to, um, to the elders. He says this in verse uh, 22. He says, and now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. I want to give you four thoughts today that I believe will lead you to a life where you can make more than a difference. The first one, if you're taking notes, is the Spirit's prompting. Everybody say, Spirit's prompting. prompting. Say it again. Everybody say, Spirit's prompting. prompting. One more time. Spirit's prompting. Paul says this. Paul says, and now compelled by the Spirit. Everybody say, compelled by the Spirit. 
He says, there's something in me. The Holy Spirit's leading me, compelled by the Spirit. I am going to Jerusalem. The, the Greek words translated as compelled by the Spirit, uh, they're the words deo honuma. A deo means uh, compelled or it means wrapped. It, it implies that you're wrapped up by cords. Uh, pneuma, of course, means breeze or current of air or spirit. And he says, uh, Deo Honuma, bound up, wrapped up. There's like this force that's tied me up and is leading me away from a place that I love to Jerusalem. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen to me there, but I am Deo Honuma. There is something in me that says God wants to do something more. I know we're making a difference here, but there is something drawing me. I don't know if you have uh, in this part of the country cinnamon monsters or cinnamon roll stores at the mall or whatever. Where I live, when you walk, how many you know what I'm talking about? You walk, you can walk into a mall, and just when you walk in, the spirit of cinnamon roll is in the air. You, you, you smell it, and you can, you can fight against it, but I'm telling you, it's like there are cords of temptation that bind you up and start pulling you in that direction. And he's saying there are, there are those times where deep down on the inside, you cannot explain it, you don't understand it, but you've had a Deo Honuma experience with God. He's leading you, he's compelling you, by his spirit. I can tell you that um, 16 years ago, when I was at the age of, of 27, I was serving in a church that I loved, 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 loved the church, but I had a Deo Honuma experience with God, and I had to look at the people that I love and say, and now, compelled by the spirit, God is leading me to do something else. There was something on the inside. I didn't understand it fully. It, to me, it started out, uh, the only way I can describe it is kind of like uh, when I've watched my wife uh, give birth. She, you know, she gets pregnant and just a little bigger. And then there comes a time when you're so pregnant, you just gotta push. And for me, the Deo Honuma, it grew and it grew and there was a desire, so much so that finally I had to say, I've just gotta push. I've gotta push. I'm telling you, when, when, you, when you learn to walk by the Spirit of God, you're going to have Deo Honuma experiences over and over and over and over again. And not just in the God is calling me to start a church, but it can be in the, in the smallest things. In fact, just, just recently, um, I was uh, ministering in uh, Hawaii. With, uh, I took my wife there because somebody has to go there and deliver the gospel in Jesus' <laughs> name. Somebody has to suffer. And... Uh, uh, unfortunately, we only planned one half day off uh, in the whole trip. And during that half day off, we sat on the beach, and I had a friend back home that was going through a very difficult time. And I had a Deo Honuma moment where I just felt this. I said, Amy, I've got to go call my friend. She said, why? I said, I don't know. I have to go call him. And she said, if God's leading you, go call him. And I called him, and I forgot about the time zone change, and I didn't realize it was 1130 at night where he was. And he picked up the phone, and he, was like, he said, why are you calling me now? And I was like, oh, time zone. I'm sorry. I just felt like God wanted And he said, no, why are you calling me now? So I'm sorry. I just, I'm, I just, you're in a hard time, and I thought of you. And he, then his voice broke, and he said, why now? He started to cry. And I just asked him, I said, are you thinking about taking your life? He said, yes, I am. I said, do you have a gun right now? He said, yes, I do. 
And I said, put it down. Walk out the door. What I want you to know is God loves you so much that he prompted me, one of your best friends, to call you and stop you. Deo honuma. I can't explain it. I'm telling you, today, God is going to speak to you in some way. There's going to be a little seed of a vision. There's going to be an idea. God may, God may call you to revamp the student ministry. You feel it. God may, God may call you to move to a different city. God may show you clearly you've got to add a staff member or remove a staff member. God may stir within you to start um, a, a new uh, worship service or move to a different place. You, you may be a single guy, and you're sitting four seats down from a single girl, and she's worshiping God in a very attractive way. <laughs> you might walk up and say, Deo Honuma. And then when you get married, you're going to name your first son Craig because God used me to bless you on this day. I'm telling you, there's the Spirit's prompting. And don't ever overanalyze, submit to just leadership principles. Perry said it well, seek the presence of God. And you watch as he will speak to you. Uh, The second thing that will lead to more than a difference is uh, what I call certain uncertainty. Everybody say certain uncertainty. There is the Spirit's prompting followed by certain uncertainty. This is what Paul said. I'm going to Jerusalem, and he said, not knowing what will happen to me there. I love this. God has spoken. I've got to obey, but I don't have a clue what's going to happen. This is the moment where Peter's in the boat. Jesus is walking up. Peter says, is that you? Can I come that way? And Jesus says, yeah, get out of the boat. And Peter says, oh my gosh, I've got faith for this. He gets out of the boat. He's walking on water. And suddenly he goes, Uh-oh, I don't know. Can I do this? Oh, my gosh. And I'm telling you, when you follow the Spirit's prompting, you're going to have some oh, crap moments. Okay? You know know what I'm saying. God's leading me, and oh, my gosh, and I'm just not sure. It's the the season of certain uncertainty where you want to say, God, you've spoken to me. Show me the details. I need details. And God will say to many of you, you can't handle the details. When God called Perry to start this church, if God had showed Perry the details, Perry probably would have moved to another part of the country, okay? Because you can't handle the details. God is going to give you enough to do the immediate assignment in front of you. You do what God has shown you to do, and you'll be obedient to that. The scripture says very clearly, his word is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. If his word is a lamp or a light unto my path, what can I see? His word will show me what, what is that, 25 steps, 100 steps in front? No, how many? One, maybe two. If I obey what he showed me and take a step, his word will continue to illuminate, his spirit will continue to guide. He's not gonna show you the next 20 steps because you can't handle it. You have to lead by faith. If you're not afraid every now and then, you are not leading by faith. If you're not a little bit uncertain every now and then, where you haven't got it all figured out, I promise you, if you want to try to figure everything out, you're going to miss the will of God. 
You can't figure everything out. Sometimes you just have to step out on faith and say, I believe God has said, let's go. Don't know how, don't know when, don't know why, don't know where. Don't know about provision, don't know about meeting, don't know about staff, don't know much at all, except I had a Deo Honuma experience with God and he has spoken and I'll take the step of faith. I'm telling you, lead by faith. Earlier this year, earlier this year, um, I did a 21-day fast at the beginning of the year, and I was seeking God for the direction of our church. And I came in, and I told our staff, we brought our directional leaders, um, what you might call senior manager, whatever you call it, that we brought them here to experience this today because I wanted them to um, be a part of what God is doing through um, this great church. And I told them, I believe God wants us to, to uh, build on five buildings this year. Build a building from scratch in Florida for our campus there. Build, start a new campus in Midwest City from scratch. Start one in Owasso from scratch. Build a kid's wing here and take one from um, portable to temporary. Build the facility, five buildings this year. And I said, I believe God wants us to pay cash for all that. And we were all praying and we all had faith. And they said, let's do it. Let's trust God for it. Five buildings, cash. So the next week, and I just stood up in front of the church and I just preached like, crazy. I said, I believe that, and I don't care about buildings. I don't like buildings. I really don't, uh, but I don't care at all. But it's a proven fact that people gather well in buildings. <laughs> and then you send them out to be the church where the church is the church best in the world. Equip them, send them. And so I just told the church, God has prompted me, Dale Honuma, we're going to build five buildings this year for cash. Church rallies, cheers. I went home. My wife Amy said, Man, that was bold. You're on fire. I want to kiss you. You know, I was like, This is good. And she said, How much is all that going to cost? I was like, I don't know. She said, How are we going to do this? Like, I don't know. And all of a sudden, I mean, I'm panicking sweat drops like what did I just do and I wrote down the numbers of this one plus this one plus this one plus this one plus this one, and I added it up carry multiply and I'm like, ah! <laughs> impossible I'm talking it, it was 50% of last year's budget impossible I'm going I am a false prophet I'm going to get stoned and not recreationally. I'm going down. It's impossible. It's impossible. It's impossible. Let me tell you what. Let me tell you what. With man, there are some things that are impossible. But I'm here to encourage some of you that with God, all things are absolutely possible. And we serve a God who responds to faith. Six months into the year, six months into the year, we had paid cash for over 50% of those buildings. And God, in his provision, we will pay 100%, five buildings, total cash, you're giving a golf clap because you don't know how big of a miracle that is. That is the miraculous provision of a good God that I have to have gratitude for. 
And I'm telling you, he honored the faith of someone stupid enough to follow him at his word. Deo Honuma, baby, spirit's prompting. The spirit's gonna talk to some of you and you're gonna have to step out into the certain uncertainty. I don't know. If you're not living with a little bit of uncertainty, you're not leading by faith. Everybody say spirit's prompting. Certain uncertainty. The third thing is predictable resistance. Predictable resistance. Put it down on your calendar. When you move out on faith, you have a spiritual enemy who doesn't want you to move the ball forward in the kingdom of God. Verse 23, listen to what Paul says. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me. Now, say it aloud. What was facing him? He said, the Spirit warns me that what? That prison and hardships are facing me. What were the hardships he faced? Beaten and left for dead, snake bites, shipwrecked, flogged, stoned with real rocks, prison again and again and again. What do we see today? I'm so upset somebody tweeted bad about me. (laughs) Someone tweeted about me. Yeah, if you follow him, you will be persecuted too. Opposition. If you're not ready to face opposition for your obedience to God, you're not ready to be used by God. Come on, grow up. Grow up. Grow freaking up. Put on your big boy panties. Get your pull-ups on. And quit whining about it. Listen, if you're, not, if, if you're not being called a cult every now and then, you're not doing squat. Quit, quit your whining. Listen, every significant move of God is criticized by people that don't understand. Listen, don't worry when you're getting criticized. Worry when nobody's criticizing you. Every significant act, I, I look back through, uh, through our life, every act of obedience in the church. When we were starting the church, I was 27 turning 28. Why do another church? Oklahoma's got enough churches. You're too young. Why another church? Deo Honuma? I don't know, certain uncertainty. Predictable resistance. Uh, when we took the Bible seriously and the Bible said, children are a blessing from God. We wanted more than two blessings. Weird, I know. We had three blessings, which was okay. Four put us over in the unusual category. Five made us Catholic or Mormon or something else. Six made us out of the park weird. If you don't know, we do have six kids. People always say, do you know what causes that? The answer is yes, and we're unwilling to give that up. It is a part (laughs) of our lives, and we're sticking with it. And now you laugh and clap and all that kind of stuff, but the real reason is, My wife just won't leave this thing alone. (laughs) You're like all thinking it's funny and everything. Sometimes it gets old, I'm telling you. I feel cheap and I feel used. And I just, I want to look at her and say, I'm not just a piece of meat. I'm a person. I have a heart. I have a soul. I have feelings. Could we just not tonight? Sometimes... I just need somebody to hold me. Can we cuddle today? I just, I just want to talk, but no. 
No, chicks only got one thing on her mind. Can somebody say amen? amen? Touch your neighbor and say, we're not giving that up. Oh, it worked. I got the Stephen Furtick preach on. So God called us to home educate our kids. Holy weirdo, freakazoid. They're going to all wear corduroy skirts and social retards and make their own butter. Like... Their butter tastes good, I'm here to tell you. Resistance. A video teaching. Guess what? Our first video venue didn't work. Failed. Didn't work. Failed. Didn't work. Deo Honuma. God called us. We tried it, and it failed. Didn't work. Didn't work. Guess what? God called us, so we tried again. Guess what? It was the fastest growing service ever. We went from 140 down to 60 in two weeks. We just grew backwards, okay? Some of you, you got that Gideon anointing on you. You know what I'm saying? Okay? You got 32,000. There's 300. What happened? And so you get, go get all suicidal and go, I suck. We're no good. We're pathetic. We're, we, no, 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 no. Be careful. If you blame yourself for the declines, one day you might take credit for the increases. Be careful. There's going to be some resistance. Um, I want to talk to the senior leaders for a moment. Um, Listen, quit whining when people blog about you, talk about you, whatever. Don't lead defensively, okay? So many senior leaders, uh, you're fighting battles that nobody in your church knows anything about. You know, you're whining about, they said this and this, and, and being defensive. And what you're, build, you're doing is you're building defensive leaders. Also, whatever you do, don't build your ministry based on what you're against, okay? This is arrogant, Hey, and, and it takes itself in, you know, hey, at our church, we don't do those, those sermon series and that rock and roll music and those mail-outs. We teach expository preaching verse by verse through the Bible. One guy said, Craig, I wish you'd preach more suppository preaching. I can do that. <laughs> I can do suppository. Listen. My crap factory. <laughs> Listen. What you just did when you say that is you said, we're better than Perry Noble's church. Don't flip it the other way either. Don't say, hey, we're not that boring church that teaches 182 weeks through the verse of Luke, you know, chapter through Luke. You know, we're fine. All right, we're not dead churches and boring. We're like, we're not your grandma's church. What you're doing there is you're building angry people that take shots at other people. Don't do it. Be what you're for. Not what you, before expository, we love the Bible. We love teaching verse by verse. That's different than saying we're not like somebody else. We love to have fun at church. We love to worship. That's different than saying we're not like your dead grandma's church. Okay, we have to stand together. Don't let the other churches be your enemy. And when they want to play that game, don't rise above it. Rise, have some class, have some integrity. Understand People are going to criticize you. Things aren't always going to work, and that is a part of it. Don't worry when you face resistance. Worry when you don't. Everybody say, Spirit's prompting. 
Spirit's prompting. Certain uncertainty. Predictable resistance. And finally, write this down. That will lead you to a selfless passion. Oh, th- this, is, this is so good. And, and most of you are going to miss this. I pray. Some of you, in the, in the next 10, 10 or 15 minutes, God is going to grab your heart. I'm telling you. And he's going to do something in you. And he is going to empower you to make more than a difference. I want you to focus in, listen beyond what I'm saying, and I want you to listen to what God wants to say to you. Here's what Paul said. He said this, however, okay, uh, compelled by the Spirit, Spirit's prompting, certain uncertainty, I don't know what the heck's gonna happen. I only know that prison and hardships are facing me, predictable resistance. Then he gets to the selfless passion, and he says, I consider my life worth nothing to me. That's one of the most amazing statements in all scripture, okay? It's really easy to say, it's incredibly difficult to live. My life is worth nothing to me. That is not, I believe in the gospel enough to benefit from it, which is where a lot of American Christians live today. I get saved, free donuts, don't go to hell, I'm in. That's not, I believe in the gospel and the church enough to contribute comfortably. Oh, give a little bit of money, serve here, I still feel good, I like it. That is, I believe in the gospel and the church enough to give everything in me to it. I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus Christ has given me, the task to testifying to the gospel of God's grace. If you want in your ministry to make more than a difference, you need to rise from the most common cultural level of thinking in churches and organizations to an Acts 20-24 stance where I consider my life worth nothing to me. I want to spend the rest of the time talking about something that I've been teaching uh, our staff, and I pray that it'll speak to you. We've been studying a lot about culture. Culture is how people think, how they act. Words create culture. A healthy culture fixes problems. Uh, An unhealthy culture um, uh, complicates and perpetuates problems. And in most organizations, in fact, Uh, My thoughts came from the book Tribal Leadership. I just read a a summary of it, and they talk about five levels. I cut down to three, took part of their ideas, and reworked a lot of the language. So if there's something good that you like, give them credit. If there's something that's stupid, blame me, because it was my idea. Um, The first level that you're going to see in cultures, churches, businesses, and such is people who want to make a name for themselves or they want to make a living. Uh, Let's take an attorney. If you want to be successful, you probably better make a name for yourself because you've got to be good and your name's got to be more well-known 
than the other attorneys to compete in town. Therefore, if you make that, you, you make a living. Let's say you're a doctor. Uh, you better make a name for yourself because that's going to help drive your business and it's going to help you make a living. In order to be successful at this level, you have to believe that I'm good. I'm good. This level is about me. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, In ministry, in my 20s, I'm embarrassed to tell you, this is where I lived. I was an associate pastor, First United Methodist Church, uh, with a specialty in single adult ministry, and I had the largest singles ministry in the state. I believed I was good. I got all my feelings of security from my numbers. I had an enemy, and that is everyone. Everyone. That was my opposition. It was a student ministry because I was competing with them for money. It was a singles ministry down the street because I was competing them for people. It was Friday night football because we met on Friday nights, and they were the enemy, and it was the bar, and it was, it was everybody because for me, it was all about me. Now, tragically, in the ministry today, we have too many people stuck at this level. I want to make a name. It's my name ministry. It's I want to make a lot of money. Why? Because it's about me, and I feel entitled because I'm good, therefore I should get a lot. If you have someone like this on your staff, they're on the way out, and you need to help them get out quickly. Anytime you have someone building their personal brand, get them out immediately because there is no room for personal branding in the kingdom of God ever. And I'm telling you, you can see it. It becomes about my Twitter account, my blog, my followers, my book, my name. And when you see it, their heart is leaving your ministry and you need to either fix it or get rid of them immediately because you're not making a difference at this level. You're making a name or you're making a living and that is disgusting in the eyes of God. This is where almost all of us live. We're not trying to make a name. We're not trying to make a living. You wouldn't be here if that's what you were doing. You want to make a difference. And this is my home. This is where, by default, as a minister, I live. And this feels good. And this is leaps and bounds above here. I mean, this is like eternity's difference because, and it takes a lot of work because the motives change and it's no longer about me. Now I want to make a difference for Christ. And when we as an organization do this, it's no longer about me. Then it becomes about we. And if we're doing great, we start to believe that we're good. Mmm, lifechurch.tv. Baby, we're making a difference, and we're good, and everybody's not the enemy, just those who are outside of our organization. Nobody is the enemy on the inside like they may be here, just the outside. It might be 
the bloggers that talk bad about us. It might be First Baptist Church because they're building a student uh, building that may compete with our student ministry. It's anyone that says something bad about us. It's the newspaper who, who wrote an article that wasn't pleasing to us. It's these outside forces that are taking a shot at us because, oh my gosh, they can't do that. Don't you know we're good? We're making a difference. Our hearts are sincere. If you knew us, you'd know we really love Jesus because we really are good. And this, tragically, is where I lived in my 30s, in much of my 40s, and I tend to drift and settle here naturally. In in fact, several years ago, I'm so embarrassed to say what we as a church did. We came out with this uh, billboard campaign back when I liked billboards. I don't anymore, just me. And on the billboards, it's really clever, really creative. It said, lifechurch.tv. No, it said, it said th- question. It said, think church is boring and outdated? So did we. Lifechurch.tv, discover the difference. Think church is boring and outdated? So did we. But we're better than that. I was proud of that. I believed in it. I'd stand by it. I grew up in the boring and outdated church. And oh my gosh, we're so much better than that. We're lifechurch.tv. Discover the difference. And what I just did to every other church in town is I said, peel the banana. (laughs) That wasn't my heart, but that was my posture. And there is nothing about that that God will honor. There's nothing. And at this level, oh man, it's all about this, baby. We have this many, we have that many, and everything is justified by this, and it's all about our numbers, and we're on the list, and we're a blah, 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 blah. Why do you think, I mean, you probably don't even know or care, there's a little list that keeps track of numbers. We don't turn in our numbers anymore. Why? Because I'm too freaking competitive and want to win the wrong game. I'm not going to play that game because guess what? We're not good. If you start believing the success, listen, I refuse to let anybody in our church call themselves a megachurch. I'm not a megachurch. I'm not a megachurch. Billions of people don't know Christ. We're not millions within our reach. I'm not a megachurch. We're a little bit, we're a startup organization. We're a microchurch with a mega vision. Mega, big, successful, slow, fat, proud, stupid. I'm not good. I deserve hell. So do you. Nothing good about you. We're not good. Anything we have and do is because of God. When you get to this point, I'm not good, we're not good, but God is good. Suddenly, you only have one enemy it's not all these people, and it's not the church down the street, and it's not the bloggers, but it is our spiritual enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And any energy you have is not fighting some other organization, but fighting the prince of darkness with the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead that gives you the ability to stand on the name that is above every name, and that is the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who is far better than any other name. And suddenly, suddenly... 
at this level, it's all about God and not about us. It's about his power. Deo honuma, spirits prompting, certain uncertainty. I know he's spoken, but I'm not sure. Predictable resistance. It's Satan, not these other ones. And by the power of God, we will overcome the darkness of Satan. And suddenly when you can live there, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may do what he called me to do. Then, instead of making a name or making a living, instead of settling for making a difference, you could be a part of the kingdom of God as his spirit empowers you to make history in this world. Now, listen to all eight of you clap. The reason you just, the rest of you sat silently is because you don't yet believe that God could use you to do this. You don't yet believe it. You know why? Because you're still right here or right here. Because when you get to right here, I'm telling you, I am more unsure of myself today than ever before. Ask me about leadership. Five years ago, I'd have told you everything you don't know. Today, don't ask me because I don't know anything. I am so much more aware of my inadequacies. And in my inadequacies, I am so much more aware of God's sufficiency. And that's why I can stand up before our church and declare the impossible by faith because I don't think we're good enough to do that. I want you to hear it. We're not, and you're not, and you have to believe that. But he is. And when you're focused on him, People never know when they're making history. They're just doing what they know is right. Gutenberg, he wanted to get the Bible out. He had no idea, no idea that God was using him to make history. Luther had no idea when he got from, I'm not good, we're not good, the system is broken. The knock that was heard around the world. No idea. Wesley, they wouldn't let him preach in church. What does he do? He walks outside, stands on his father's grave. What does he do? Preaches. No idea. No idea he's making history. In the year 1997, somebody gave Craig Rochelle, a lost pathetic sinner, a free Bible. And in the year 2009, we decided to give away free Bibles. And now 30 million Bibles later, we had no idea that like God used Gutenberg, God might use us to help get his word out around the world. I'm telling you, a Sunday school teacher leads D.L. Moody to Christ. A shoe salesman leads, has no idea. It's not me, it's not here. Just doing what God called me to do. Pastor Stephen, um, I wasn't planning on sharing this, but he, Psalm 100, he said, uh, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Praise, worship. God, right before it, do you know, do you know what it says right before this? That verse, do you know what it says? It says, we are the sheep of his pasture. We're the sheep. 
You know when the sheep enter the temple courts? Once a year. You know why they do? For the sacrifice. I enter into his temple courts as a sheep to lay down my life because I have been compelled by the Spirit of God, not knowing what's going to happen. I only know that prison and hardships face me. I know certain resistance is coming. God has spoken Deo Honuma, Spirit's prompting. Certain uncertainty, predictable resistance. Kingdom-minded, selfless passion. I consider my life worth nothing to me. I will praise my God that I am one of his sheep, and I get to lay my life down and sacrifice it for the glory and the kingdom of God. I consider my life worth nothing to me. If you guys want to play, I'm going to end in a song and lead it just like Stephen did. Of course I'm not going to do that. I hate <laughs> preachers who can preach and sing. But if you, I hate that. I hate it. I, I, but I'm grateful. Um, as, you guys, as you guys play, what I want to do is I want you to take a moment and recognize if you're living right here or if you're living right here, I want you to repent before God. And we're going to repent. And we're going to ask that we can get the focus off of us and we can put it on God. Because I believe with all my heart that God wants to use you to make more than a difference. I believe there are some of you that, you, that God brought you here for this moment to turn to him and say, hey, I, I do want to make a difference, but I believe there may be more. I really believe there may be more. Right now in front of God and everybody, if, you're, if, you're, if you think you're good, I want you to own it right now and say, I'm, I'm kind of living and I'm good. I'm, I want to be good. I'm pre- I mean, I got to tell you, I've wanted people to say Craig Rochelle's good. Craig's a good leader. Craig's a good evangelist. Hey, Craig, good sermon. It's too much about me. If that's you, would you stand up right now? Get up off your butt right now in front of God and everybody and just say, it's been too much about me. Been too, praise God for you, man. Praise God for you. Others of you who say, it's been too much about me. I feel good when the numbers are up. I feel bad when the numbers are down. Guess why? Too much about me. Too much about me. Too much about me. Others of you, come on, baby. Let's get real. Let's do it. Let's, let's do it. Let's do it. Praise God for you. Praise God for you. Some of you right now, you're at a, you're at a good church, and there's pride in our church. Oh, man, we're proud. We're good. We're, we're good. We're life church. We're such a stand up right now. We're good. We're good. Yeah, man, we're good. We're better than the churches down the street. Oh, we're good. oh those meanies, they don't understand us. They don't understand us. They don't understand us. The rest of you, you want to live here. Stand up. I'm not going to let you sit down. Stand up. Father, I pray right now as we repent before you, I pray that your Holy Spirit would do a divine work in our hearts, God. I pray that we would be humble and even even as, as Paul would say, that we would consider our lives worth nothing. God, I pray that we would truly consider our lives worth nothing if only we could do what you call us to do. God, I pray that your spirit would rise up within your church today. God, that there would be children pastors who realize they could make history by pouring into the lives of kids. God, I pray that there would be student pastors that would feel encouraged and built up by faith. God, that they would go back, they can pour into leaders and, and God, they can reach lost kids. God, I pray into the senior pastors' lives who, who feel discouraged and defeated and, and, and are taking credit uh, for, for the declines, God, I pray that they would repent and know that it's all you, all yours. It's not ours. God, I pray for the, the marriages that are hurting today because we've been too focused on the wrong things that you're 
Spirit would, would, would bring a, a point of repentance in our lives, that we would humble ourselves and say we've idolatrized the church and neglected our marriages. God, if we've been too focused on the wrong things, God, I even pray we would repent for not pouring into the next generation within our homes. God, make us great fathers and great mothers and great husbands and great wives. And I pray, oh God, that when you speak to someone today, that there is the Deo Honuma moment, God, with the Spirit's prompting that they would have the courage to take the step of faith into the certain uncertainty, not knowing what's going to happen, but trusting and leading by faith. And when the spiritual enemy attacks, oh God, I pray that they would count it a blessing to suffer even in a small way with your son who suffered immensely for us, that we would consider it a joy to suffer with him. And God, I pray they would come into crystal clarity, a selfless passion that their life would be worth nothing if only they may do what you called them to do. It's not a got to, it's a get to. We get to serve you. We get to represent you. We get to worship you. If you would receive that today, would you give God honor and praise and glory and worship? We repent, God, for our selfishness. God, may it be all about you and your son, Jesus. In his name, we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Thank you guys for your honesty. May God work in a supernatural way uh, in your life. We've got a video for you, and uh, we'll pray that God seals that message in your hearts.